Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. How's everybody doing out there? Are you still hanging with me? I got two thumbs up over there in the middle. Awesome. We're ready to go. We are in the final week of a series called I Am. And this is the series that really, the book of John was written differently than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They just, he had a different writing style. He took a different theme and he, he wasn't even trying to be historical necessarily in terms of like trying to get everything laid out. What he did was, is he started off by saying this idea that I wrote everything that I wrote just so that you would know that he is God and that he wanted you to know who Jesus was. And it was like John was really, really close relationally with Jesus. As a matter of fact, when you look at all the interactions that he has with his disciples, he had 12 and they rolled with him everywhere. But then every once in a while, he'd do something special and just three of them would get to go. There was just a few special trips, you know, camp up on the mountain, just three of them. Uh, basically, it was Peter, James, and John. But John had even what people think maybe was a unique relationship. And so even the way he describes himself, when he talks about himself, he says, the one whom Jesus loved. Like that's how he described himself when he was writing what John did in his own account of, of, of history. And so Jesus was incredibly relational with all of his disciples and John had that special relationship with him. And so again, when you see what's going to take place today is this, is that God is incredibly relational and John's trying to put that on full display. But in his book, what he does is, is he hangs his entire book on seven major miracles and seven major I am statements that Jesus made. And the reason why Jesus would make an I am statement is because in the Old Testament, that's who God said that he was. When they asked God in the Old Testament, what is your name? He said, I am. Literally, it was the, it was the four Hebrew letters, yud Hey vah Hey. It literally meant I am or the self-existent one. And so Jesus would say, I am. And then he would attach something to it so he would kind of further reveal the nature of who God is. And so he says to, and, and it all has to do with how we relate to God. So for instance, like Jesus, like, hey, you know what it's like to live in darkness and to stumble around in the dark? Well, guess what? I am the light of the world. You know what it's like to be hungry, maybe even hangry and, and, and grumpy and you just want food and you want something to satisfy you like I'm the bread of life. Like I'm the thing that actually satisfies you, not just for one meal, but like forever. He goes on to say, like, you ever been lost? Isn't it worse to get lost? Like I got lost in my own neighborhood one time. I remember like I left my home and I took my kids to go like look at Christmas lights. You ever do that with your kids? You know, drive through the neighborhoods. I got lost in my own neighborhood. You know how frustrating it is when you feel like you're caught in a trap of cul-de-sacs and circles and you feel like I can't get out. And so... So Jesus is like, but I'm the way, like I'm the path. I'm, I'm the, I'm your way out. I'm your path. I'm your path back to heaven, but I'm, I'm your path to heaven on earth right now. And so Jesus makes all these I am statements. And today we look at this last one. And again, they all indicate that he was God, but they all indicate how we relate to God. And the last statement that he makes is this. He says, I am the true vine. Now, that one doesn't sound very special. I got to just be honest. Because if you're just a 21st century American, you don't even know the Bible that well, you're like, huh? I'm the true vine? What does that even mean? And so let's read together and we'll take a look at the context of it. John chapter 15 is where Jesus makes these bold declarations. Verse number one says this. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. So this is the theme. Before he was playing on all kinds of like, I'm a shepherd and you're a sheep. But today it's different. Today, uh, basically, my, my dad is, it owns the vineyard 
but I'm the vine or the trunk in essence, and you're a branch is what he's saying here. Verse two says he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Now, if you have your Bible with you, I want you to circle or underline that whole cuts off thing. We're going to change that in a minute. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Everybody say fruit. Yeah, you're going to see this a lot. There's a whole bunch of fruit in, in like, as a matter of fact, like if you read these next 10 verses, there's like a dozen times the word fruit pops out. We'll talk about that as well, but let's talk about the context. So Jesus, if you remember, has a moment with his disciples where he takes Holy Communion for the first time. So this is very near the end and he leaves the upper room and he goes on a journey to the garden of Gethsemane where they later arrest him. Does that make sense? Those are two moments that typically most people know the upper room communion. Yep. Remember that? Okay. In the garden, remember Peter cut off somebody's ear. They arrested him. All kinds of stuff happened there. Right in the middle, there's a walk. Like there's a journey that they take and this statement takes place in between the upper room and the garden of Gethsemane and they go on a walk. And one of the things they have to walk by is the temple. Now here's the deal. The temple had been destroyed and rebuilt like a couple of times because people would come in and plunder and and, and wreak havoc and do whatever. And so Herod was the guy that kind of did the last major renovation on the temple. And this time when he did the renovation, what he decided is, is that there's this there's this metaphor in the Old Testament that in essence that, that Israel is like a vine and a vineyard. As a matter of fact, if you listen to Isaiah 5, 7, it says that the vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. And so Herod was like, you know what? Let's do something really decorative. Let's do something really pretty. Everything Herod ever built was like extravagant in its design. And so what he did was is he took this, this basic image of, of, of a vine and grapes and made it huge and put it on the front of the temple and then covered it in pure gold. To where the, the historians say that the grapes that were a part of this big huge display on the temple, that the grapes were the size of your head. So think about that. Jesus now is walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. They're chatting. This is kind of his, one of his final teachings he's given the disciples before it really gets crazy. And he's walking by the temple and he sees the temple and he sees the big golden vine and vineyard and all that stuff. And now in your mind, you would think that, okay, well, if that's the vineyard and that's the source of life and Jesus shows up and says, actually, that's not the source of life anymore. You know what the source of life is? Me. I, not that anymore. The the temple was destroyed just a few decades later and they've not had temple worship since. Think about that. Jesus showed up and said, that's not the source of life anymore. I'm the source of life. I am not, not an artificial vine, not a golden vine where the grapes are the size of your head. No, no, no. That's just symbolic. I am the true vine and you're the branch. Like that's your job. That's your role. I'm the source of life and you're the branch. And so in essence, what he says is, is that he cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Everybody say fruit. So again, fruits mentioned, we'll see it a bunch of times here. For, for sake of discussion today, fruit represents, in essence, the character of Christ. And so when you read the Bible and you look at the fruit of the spirit or the fruit of life, this is what fruit kind of represents, the character of Jesus. Now, here's what I know about you, that if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, that this is what your aim is. Your aim is to now follow Jesus and to become more like Jesus. But you know what the problem is? is sometimes we fall really, really short of this. 
Sometimes this is a struggle. Sometimes this is really, really hard. Look, Jesus seems great. Jesus was clearly fantastic, but I really find it hard to be like Jesus. Does that make sense? Like that's where most of us live. We, we know that Jesus was the son of God and we have faith in him, but we find it really, really hard. And I'll tell you why is because we probably went about doing it the wrong way. Um, let, let me give you an example here. Do you remember a few years ago, maybe it was more than just a few, but remember like there was a fad that took place with a very, very special bracelet. Do you remember what this special bracelet was? WWJD, what would Jesus do? And the problem with the what would Jesus do bracelet was, is that many times in life we were getting ourselves into situations and we were getting so angry or so upset or we wanted to act a certain way or make a certain kind of decision or do whatever. And we would look at that bracelet and we would think, fine, what would Jesus do? And maybe we did it and maybe we didn't. And maybe that's when we stopped wearing it. Or maybe when we flipped off that person in traffic that we flipped it off wearing our WWJD bracelet and we realized maybe I shouldn't wear this anymore. Because this is getting really, really hard. Because I can't be like Jesus. Because let's be honest, Jesus was perfect. Jesus was the perfect, sinless human being. And trying to just be like Jesus is too hard. That's why everybody stopped wearing WWGD braces. Because we couldn't do it. Nobody can fully be like Jesus. He's perfect. He's the son of God. And, and again, we're trying to get the character of Christ, but we're finding it so difficult to be like Jesus. This is why, if we're all honest today, this is why we struggle to stop telling that lie, to stop committing that sin over and over, to stop acting like that, to stop talking like that, to stop responding like that. Like that's why we find it so difficult. And in these few verses, Jesus really gives you the solution to how you actually become like Jesus. Because trying to imitate Jesus is not the solution. It's not the answer. Because we tried that and it didn't work. How many of you ever tried to break a habit or to break an addiction? And you thought, you know what? I'm just going to get so determined. And I'm going to try really hard. And I'm going to work so hard at it. How long did that last? Really? You know, like, like how long? Because you probably did good like a week, right? You know, I bet you did like a good solid week. Maybe 14 days. Maybe you went a month. You tried so hard, just sheer willpower. And you, you told other people to hold you accountable and then you avoided their phone calls. And then, now listen, your heart is pure. You actually want to follow Jesus and you want to be more like Jesus. And you know that being more like Jesus would actually bless and benefit your life and everybody else's around you for sure. But how do you actually become more like Jesus? Because imitation is not the answer. It's something very, very different. And it's found in these few verses. Remember, he said, I'm the vine and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch within me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Verse number three says this. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch, like think about this. This is like, he's like, duh. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branch. If a man remains in me and I in him, then he will bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Which is 
all just a big vote of encouragement right now, right? Joel Osteen would be like, you can do it. No, you can't. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you can't do it. You don't have the ability. You, you, you just don't have it in and of yourself. Because he said, there's a relational dynamic that's going on here. And here's the deal. I'm like a tree and you're a branch. Now, has anybody ever taken a branch that fell, you know, maybe from the tree and is just laying there? That branch is dead. That branch is lifeless. Can that branch produce any fruit whatsoever? Nah, it's just there. The only way that that branch can do anything is what? Is by being grafted in and connected to the tree. So, so my point is this is the relationship that Jesus has with you. That in and of yourself, you don't have the ability to be like Jesus. But, everybody say but. But there's a secret. There's a key ingredient. Because the next, the next word that you see repeated over and over and over again is the word remain. Everybody say Remain. And that's what we're going to see today. So this is what Jesus' job is. If you really see what Jesus is, says he's going to do is this. He says in verse 2 that he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. The, the first thing that Jesus is going to do is he's going to lift you. Because when you look at the word cuts off, in their language, I don't know why the writers did this. I don't have an answer for you. Other than like they might have had a bad day. They might have been angry. And somebody offended them. Somebody cut them off in traffic that day. And when they were transcribing the Bible, they took a Greek word. And that word can mean cut off. But the majority of the time in historical language, it means to lift up. So that verse can either be that he lifts up every branch or that he cuts off. Now, how much, how, how many do, how many y'all want cut off? No hands. How many y'all want lift up? Yeah, we all want lift up. Nobody wants, like, can you imagine? Cause we'd all be chopped up right now, right? We were like all fallen and made mistakes. And now Jesus is just like, whack, you're done. So again, I don't know if the writers just had a bad day and they were like, you know what? You know what? He's going to cut them off. And, and, and really that's not what most people do because how many know, like if you are a vineyard, uh, and, and you want to produce grapes and you want your vine to prosper and you want fruit to come, you don't start cutting branches off, do you? No, you start reshifting because here's what happened. And I'm talking to guys. We've got people in here that have kind of a history with this stuff. Is that when a branch starts growing too far up or too far down, it doesn't produce fruit. It either grows up into the bush and doesn't get sunlight or it grows down into the dirt. And so what you have to do is literally reset the thing so that then it can produce fruit. And that's the idea is that that's what Jesus wants to do with you is that Jesus is going to lift. And this is why I think as a, as a new believer, if you've ever... If you've ever seen this in a new believer or experienced this yourself, many times with a new believer, there just seems to be like a glow. There seems to be like a, like an energy and a strength and like a, I'm flying on wings with eagles and you know, that, that's the way you feel as a new believer. And I think this is wise because Jesus just, just plugged you in and lifted you. And so you got all this extra strength and happiness and joy. Everything is wonderful and Jesus is amazing. And while you're in the lifting world, that's where you're at. You're being lifted. And praise God for you. I want you to keep that as long as you can. And that's what Jesus wants to do in you. That his first goal in your life is to lift you. To bring you back to where you can produce fruit. That's what Jesus wants. Now the second thing that Jesus is going to do is this. Is Jesus is going to prune. Nobody said amen. I just thought I'd pause to see what would happen there. Jesus is going to prune. Now, how many of you out there like have gardens or have vegetables or have flowers, any of this? Yeah, you have this stuff. My wife has changed. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was the grace of God hit her life. My wife used to destroy every living thing other than my children. And I mean, she killed a cactus, y'all. 
Those things, isn't that right? I'm not making this up. She killed a cactus. Those things grow in the desert. And she killed a cactus. I don't know how she killed it. I don't pay attention. I just, I just love her. And like, oh, it's okay, baby. That cactus was dumb. And so um, that's what you say to your wife, by the way. You're always for her. You're never against her. Like, it was the cactus's fault. And so she killed a cactus. She could kill any living thing. I used to say she had a black thumb instead of a green thumb. She's the, the thumb of death. And like the grim reaper of plant life. And so, and something, something amazing happened. Can you attribute it to anything? YouTube videos? You prayed. She said, I prayed. So if you can't keep things alive, pray and ask God to do the miraculous because miracles still happen. My wife now has planted all kinds of like, I mean, words I can't, uh, I can't, I can't name them. Begonias, crepe myrtles, azaleas. I don't even know what these things are. There are plants, but we have like lime trees and lemon trees. And what, what kind of a lemon? There's a special kind of lemon. Meyer's a Meyer lemon tree. What? Why is it a Meyer lemon tree? We have two Meyer lemon trees. She just planted an avocado tree and they're all alive. Fruit has sprung forth in my home. Two nights ago, was it two nights ago or three nights ago? We had a, a salad and when we were done eating, she goes, all of that came from my garden. Can you guys just give her a hand? Like this is, un- you don't know. She killed a cactus, y'all. Now I'm eating from the abundance of. But here's what my wife does. Like, and it's, we have rose bushes. We have all, we have stuff I can't name. Just, just roll with me. We have crazy amount of plant life. She's an arbonist now. She's a, is that a, is that a word? Ar- Arbor day, arbor arborist. She plants things, but then she prunes the heck out of them. Cause like there's stuff where I look and she literally like, we have these little flowers in front of the door and then they're like chopped down to the nub. And I'm like, baby, why did you kill those plants? She goes, no, no, no. I got to prune them things. And then she does this with all, and there's, what are are the ones underneath the kids, the kids window? What's that? Hydrangeas. And she cuts and she keeps pruning stuff. And the point of pruning is what? Because if you don't prune, it gets overgrown and crazy. If you don't prune, it doesn't produce the same amount of fruit. And so Jesus, this is lovely. Jesus wants to cut things out of your life. Jesus wants to cut away at you. Somebody say amen. Y'all didn't mean that. Liars. Anyway, Jesus wants to prune. Now, now, like, let me, let me, let me talk about what he wants to prune. There's two things that I think he wants to prune. And this is what I've, this is what I've gathered from my wife and the green thumb that I live with now is that there are certain parts of the plant that are just suckers. Does that make sense? Is that there are, there are basically branches that will never produce fruit, but they'll produce a bunch of leaves and basically sap the tree of energy. They're called suckers. They're designed just to be like leafy, but they'll never produce fruit. And for you to get the most fruit out of the tree, you got to pinch the suckers. That sounds weird. But that's the term they use, right? You got to pinch the suckers. And so this is the stuff. Now, is there anything wrong with a branch and with leaves and any of that stuff? No, it's not evil in and of itself. It's just worthless in the sense that it's there, but it's not producing any fruit. And Jesus wants to prune some things from your life that are not necessarily evil, but they're just not his best. 
Does that make sense? There are certain things in your life that if we were to take, let's say, an inventory, if we were to start making a list today, if you got out a notebook and we could start listing the different things in your life, maybe that consume your time, your energy, your thought life, your money, your resources, and you would say, well, I mean, they're not, they're not evil, but they're not God's best. And I want you to know that when you look at life, that you've got to differentiate in your life between what's God's best, because usually the greatest enemy of God's best is not evil for most of you. Most of you are not out knocking over liquor stores and skinning cats in the neighborhood and being just awful human beings. You're not evil. You just got a lot of good things that zap the life out of God's best. Because what's most important in life is what God has deemed what's most important of life. And everything other than God's best ends up just sucking the life out of you. And so you got to get rid of those things. The other things that you got to take care of is this, because we had this, we have, we have a J- Japanese maple. We have a Japanese maple. I should have taken notes on this stuff and memorized this stuff. I'm sorry. So we, but, but like this tree would literally have like a couple of dead branches on it. And the same thing is that not only do you have to pinch the suckers, but you've got to cut off the dead things that are growing in your life. And sometimes these, these are just the bad things. Cause some of you literally, you, you, the life that is within you, the life that Jesus is trying to produce in you is being zapped by evil things, by like bitterness, by anger by unforgiveness, by selfishness, by these things in your life. And so Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to prune. And guess what? It's not going to feel good in the moment that I do it. You know what? One of the things I find that Jesus wants to prune, and this may be the hardest for us to let go of, is that sometimes Jesus wants to prune relationships out of your life. Maybe we'll talk about that when we talk about bad blood. But here's what I'll say. Is that many of have you ever had that person in your life and that all of a sudden just got uprooted and disappeared or got weird and got funky and all of a sudden you weren't friends with them anymore? Is it possible that maybe God did some pruning for you because that was the best thing that could have ever happened to you? Because you know that in and of yourself, you would have never said no to that relationship. You didn't have the guts, the strength, the courage, the conviction. You didn't have the guts to say no to it. And all of a sudden, God does something radical. God does something crazy. God does something strange. And God just roots up somebody out of your life. And it's simple. Jesus is going to lift you. But listen, at some point in time, Jesus is going to prune you. And in the moment, it might not feel great. But I guarantee you, if you'll just keep walking with Jesus, it'll be the greatest thing for you. Now, that's what Jesus is going to do. This is what you have to do. What all I need to do is this, is I need to remain. I need to abide. I need to stay close. Listen to the verse again. It says this, it says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must what? Remain in the vine. Everybody say remain. Everybody say abide. Everybody say stay close. This word is not, is not a tricky word. This word is all throughout the Bible and it doesn't mean anything special other than like, you just see it used like to live with, to dwell with, to stay close, to hang out with. That's it. Your number one job is just to stay close. That's it. That is the number one goal that you have in your life. This is why being at church on Sunday morning, every Sunday morning should be a no-brainer. Why? Because every time you try to go out and do it on your own and we fall short, we wonder why you didn't have enough strength or willpower or self-discipline. It is not in those things. It's just here. All you have to do is abide. All you have to do is just stay close. 
That's it. Have you ever noticed? I'll give you a couple examples. Have you ever noticed how when you hang out with somebody long enough and you get close enough to them that you begin to adopt some of their mannerisms? You start using some of the same phrases or catchphrases or words or you start even like maybe dressing similar or sharing certain styles or things about you. Why did that happen? It's because you just hung out with so close that even at the subconscious level, you started adopting certain ideas and behaviors. You weren't even aware of it. And Jesus is saying that the ultimate way to becoming more like him, the ultimate way to have the character of Christ is not to try harder, but to actually just stay closer. Because uh, that doesn't do it. But just staying close does. This is why, have you ever seen a, a new believer, they start following Jesus, and maybe you haven't seen them in a while, but they start following Jesus and they don't know much. They just know that Jesus loved them. He died for their sins. And that's awesome. So I'm just going to church and trying to read my Bible. I'm just, I, I, I don't even know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying, just, I just, I, I love what Jesus has done for me. And all of a sudden you see him a few months later. You're like, Hey dude, you're different. Why are they so different? Hey, did you notice them? Something's changed about them. What is up with them? Why are they so different? What's been going on in their life? I'm like, I don't, I don't even know. Am I different? That's, that's what you say. You're like, am I different? Is something different? What? What's wrong? I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. It's not that they tried harder. It's just that they got closer. And the idea is this, like, like, let me give you an example going back to the, to the whole tree and the branch thing. Like in vineyards, if you take a branch from a white grape tree and you take it over to the red grape tree and you graft in that branch, do you know what kind of fruit it'll start producing? Red. Now it didn't start out red. It started out what? White. And all it had ever known was white. But then all of a sudden, that branch was grafted into something else, which proves to you this. Nothing fruitful comes from the branch. Where does it come from? It comes from the vine. It comes from the tree. All the life, all the source, all the strength, everything comes from the tree itself. It's not in the branch. But you're the branch. The greatest thing that you can do is remain. Stay close. Abide. Get grafted in. That's that's it. Notice that Jesus doesn't come out with like these big lists of to-dos and to-don'ts. His idea is that he invites you into a relationship because he knows that if you just got into a relationship and stayed close, the character of Christ will naturally take care of itself. couple of things here. This is, this is the difference between abiding versus doing. Number one is this, is I want you to think and act relationally, not religiously. Some of you, you grew up in certain religious circles and you think, well, I've got to do this and I've got to check this mark and I've got to take these classes and if I go do these things and I can't ever do these things, I can't drink, smoke, chew, or date girls that do. I cannot, I cannot do and I must do and all these things. Listen to me. From the moment that I became a Christian, I have never once thought about what I can do and what I can't do. That's just never been on my radar. What I thought was is how can I love Jesus and just follow Jesus and everything else took care of itself. Because when I love Jesus, it's, it's hard to treat other people a certain way. When I love Jesus, it's hard to go do these things and to dishonor Jesus. Why? It had nothing to do with my ability to keep the rules. Because if you knew me before I became a Christian, I enjoyed breaking rules. My middle school principal had my mother's phone number on speed dial. Me and my brother broke the record for the number of referrals and suspensions as children. I'm not making this up. I was awful and enjoyed it. I was thoroughly terrible as a child and was good at it. I had perfected how to be awful. I, I can tell you more stories. It's Mother's Day. All right, best Mother's Day story. Like one time, I was so terrible as a kid. I literally, I, I, 
I tricked my mom into growing me illegal drugs. I told her it was a biology project, and I, I literally got the seeds going, but then I'm like, how do I go? What do I do next? My mom would talk to them, water them. <sighs> Isn't that terrible? I'm a terrible human being. How do you trick your mom into growing illegal drugs? That's just awful. By the glory and grace of God, here I am. But I'm telling you, I'm not here because I'm a great rule keeper. I'm not here because I tried really, really hard. I'm not here because I got super self-disciplined. I'm not here because I have incredible willpower. I don't have any of those things. I don't. If you look at my life, you look at BC, before Christ, you just... Go and look. I couldn't keep rules. I was dumber than a box of rocks. I was in summer school every year. I, I literally, I think teachers passed me just to get rid of me. I couldn't do anything good. My, I can't even, I can't even tell you some of the stuff. My dad would tell me, it's a boy, you like dumber than a monkey trying to do a math problem. And like, that was the epitome of my childhood. I was a terrible, I was a terrible rule keeper. I had no self-discipline at all. And then all of a sudden I meet Jesus. And I don't know what changes because I never really thought I got better at keeping rules or being self-disciplined or having willpower. But doggone, I love Jesus. And I thought what he did for me was so incredible. And I just want to walk with Jesus and I want to get to know Jesus more. And I began to think relationally, not religiously. So what would you do? What would you do if Jesus was a relationship and not a new creed and a new set of rules? I've never thought like that before, but I run into people all the time that are so worried and so consumed about trying to produce the character of Christ by keeping all the rules. And I just found that it doesn't work. But when we begin to look at Jesus relationally, everything changes. Why? Because all we're doing is abiding and remaining and staying close. Number two is this, is you have to focus on association, not imitation. That's why WWJD doesn't work. Jesus is too perfect. You can't just imitate your way to being like Jesus. I mean, you could go get some, some robes and some Birkenstocks and walk around and be weird if you want, but you ain't going to be like Jesus and the character and the nature that he is. Your best bet is to just think association. How can I stay close to Jesus? Third and lastly is this, is we need to adopt the attitude of I can't, but he can through me. That's it. That's your whole life right there. Trying to produce fruit, become like Jesus, produce the character of Christ. You just need to adopt it. I can't. Because if you look at my life, I couldn't and I didn't. But I found Jesus and had a relationship with Jesus. And all of a sudden, I don't know that I did anything in and of myself because I don't know how I would have pulled that off. Nothing in my track record would have proved that I had those abilities. I can't. But he can through me. Go back to the branch. What is a branch separated from the tree? able to produce nothing and then all of a sudden you graft that tree or you graft that branch into the tree what does the branch do it just hangs out it literally sucks life nutrients all the stuff that it would need the water that comes up from the roots up through the trunk it takes all those things then all of a sudden boop, and that's your life if you start following Jesus and you really want to actually have the blessing of God in your life, the character of Christ in your life, you want God's abundance in your life, this is all you need to do. Just stay close. Just get relationally associated, get connected in, get grafted in, and all of a sudden, you know what's going to happen? Boop. And you're like, hey, check that out. Look at that. It's cool. And, that, and see how that changed? Like in your marriage, you're, 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 the way your marriage is right now, you, you're, you're dead. And then all of a what you need is boop. But the only way you get that is by staying in. You just got to stay grafted in. You got to stay close. You got to think relationally. 
And here's why. Jesus is going to lift. Jesus is going to prune. You need to abide and remain. And at the end of it, look at this. God's going to get the glory. Verse, uh, last verse, and we'll, we'll kind of close here. The Bible says, kind of at the end of this take, in verse number eight, it says, This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is what God wants. Listen to me. Jesus will lift. Jesus will prune. Jesus is the source of all life. Everything that you ever need will come from him if you will stay grafted in, if you'll just remain, if you'll just stay close. And at the end of it, you'll produce a life, not in and of yourself, but through Jesus. See, you're not gonna, like, like you ever done this before? Like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be more patient. No, you're not. You're gonna try to be more patient. You're gonna do it for like three days and then you're gonna flip out on somebody. But what happens is, is that Jesus is going to be patient through you. You see the difference? See, you are a branch trying to, you're trying to boop. You, you ain't got no boop on you though. But you get grafted in and Jesus is going to do it through you. Like you, you can't really produce all that kindness, all that compassion, but, but Jesus will produce it through you. And when you keep doing that over and over and over again, you live a life that gives glory and honor to God, which is the point of everything. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you, God, just that we don't have to produce it. We don't have to make it on our own. We don't have to muster up all the strength and do it all on our own. It's not about us. It's about you, Jesus. And so, God, I thank you that we don't have to find the source of life on our own and produce everything on our own, but, Jesus, you produce it through us. You generate it through us. And so, Lord God, I pray that today, that as we walk out of this door, we change our mind, and we stop acting so religiously, and we start acting relationally. And we start asking ourselves this question, what can I do just to be close to Jesus? What can I do to spend time with Jesus? What can I do just to hear the voice of Jesus? And how, whether that's through worship or being at church on a Sunday morning, what can I do just to continue to be close to Jesus? And if that happens, God, I just pray that through me, you do something incredible. So that through me, I could have a better marriage and that through me, God, that you could produce better kids and that through me, you could produce a better employee and that through me, you could produce a better friend and that through me, God, you could somehow produce fruit. That through me, you could produce a Christ follower. I can't do it on my own. It comes from being with you, Lord. Now let me walk out of this door and live that. Lord, that is my prayer in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.